For today's case, we are going to be talking about Chandra Levy. This case will talk about murder, sexual assault, racism in the court system, and even things like power, control, and corruption. These are topics that trigger you. You may want to skip this episode. And welcome to another episode of Dr. Crime, a true crime podcast hosted by me, Justice, a doctor of forensic psychology, and me, Rebecca, a criminologist. You won't find clickbait titles, selfie thumbnails, or spooky music to set the mood here. But what you will find is ethical true crime with extra focus on empathy, accuracy, and a viewpoint from professionals. So grab your coffee and let's get started. We are going to be discussing the disappearance and the murder. 24-year-old Chandra Levy. Miss Levy was reported missing by her father on May 6, 2001, stating he hadn't heard from her in a few days and she was supposed to come home. Chandra was currently residing in Washington, D.C. as an intern for the Bureau of Prisons. She rented a tiny apartment in D.C. and her internship had ended. And she was expected to fly home for her graduation on May 11, 2001. Local investigators started looking at local hospitals and medical examiner's offices with no luck. Investigators were granted access to her apartment uh, via the building manager and found nothing peculiar. There were no signs of a struggle, no sign of forced entry, and her belongings were intact. Even her ID and purse were home. (laughs) While it has been five days since they had heard from their daughter, the Levies were checking phone records to see if there were any suspicious phone calls. They did find one number that was frequently found that they did not recognize. The Levies called the number and a woman answered with, Congressman Gary Condit's office, how can I help you? The Levies asked for a return call and explained the situation. Gary Condit called back the next day saying Chandra was a friend of an intern there and he didn't know her too well and he hadn't heard from her. Condit stated he occasionally gave her life and career advice but not much more than that. The Levies asked for Condit's help and said he would help in any way. Uh, that's uh, suspicious. Yeah, the Levy's thought so too. The mom and dad both contact police stating that there was a potential that Condon and Levy could have been having an affair. A couple days later on May 10th, Chandra's aunt stated that she and Chandra talked about an affair with Mary Congressman Gary Condon, and this was reported to police. Ooh, okay. I'm sure that wasn't great to hear. This wasn't too long after the whole Bill and Monica scandal. Potential relevant? exactly that was i mean this was only a year or two after two years after that so definitely a lot of heat on the uh, married politician with a young intern Mm. um now on may 10th police retrieved an actual search warrant to search levy's apartment according to an in-depth washington post 12 chapter article the police discovered two partially packed chow suitcases a cell phone, credit cards, driver's license and a purse, dirty dishes in a sink, a refri- refrigerator that was empty except for some leftover pasta and Reese's peanut butter cups, a Williams Sonoma bag on the breakfast countertop containing dirty laundry, blue jeans, socks, and panties. Her telephone answering machine was full with 25 messages. Several were from her mother and godparents. Two were from Condon that were left on May 3rd and two days after Chandra disappeared. The congressman seemed concerned that he hadn't heard from her at that point, which, oh, yes, um, I get very concerned if I haven't heard about uh, someone I give random life advice to in a few days. I get very concerned about that for sure. Yes, 100%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, during the search, police police also found a blue laptop now an untrained officer opened this laptop and tried to find her search history but when they did that they erased the history which set the case back almost a month as cybertex tried to retrace her search history when they did find the search history they found that she had searched on the morning of may 1st the last day she was known to be seen she went to condit's homepage, southwest airlines amtrak Baskin Robbins, and then at 11.26, she went to WashingtonPost.com and she clicked on the weather report. At 11.33, Chandra clicked on the WashingtonPost.com entertainment guide to Rock Creek Park. At the top of the page was the administrative address of the park, 3545 Williamsburg Lane, the address of the Klingel Mansion, a three-story stone farmhouse that serves as a park 
headquarters. A minute later, she clicked on the link for a map of the park. And that was her last search at 1224. Hold on. Can we can we go back for a second? Yeah. Just let an untrained officer open her computer and look at her search history. And he... For, for, that's bad enough. But how do you accidentally delete a f- entire search history? Yeah. It's almost... I, for, I forget what show it was. I almost want to say it was White Collar. But, like... They, like, accidentally wiped the whole thing, but they knew exactly what they were doing. Right. Um, I know that's a conspiracy theory, and our podcast tries to steer away from those. Um, but that's the only thing I can think of, like, active investigation, and you're going to let someone open the laptop. Not like, it's not like they didn't know proper procedure. They waited to get a proper search warrant before they looked through her stuff. Yep. Even though they had been let in before. Right, the building manager, they still, like, waited for the right thing, and then they let an untrained officer open her laptop and search it, and it was magically deleted. Why was an untrained officer even there? Hold on. I I have questions. Okay, please, let's keep going. Yes. So, now with the search information um, that they eventually received, there were two conclusions. One, Chandra was looking for a new place to go jogging as her gym membership was canceled, or two, she was meeting someone. Yeah, just by the search history, to me, it sounds like she was going to meet someone at the park. That's a definite potential. Um, I could definitely see maybe wanting to map out because I know that her gym membership was up. We do talk a little bit about that later. Um, And she was very athletic, so it was possible. Um, However, there were reports that she would go jogging this park a lot. So kind of iffy on that. Um, Now, not only did the search history thing not put the police in the brightest light it took a while for detectives to notice that there was security footage in the apartment building however the tapes get written over every seven days and guess how long it was Uh, (laughs) why did they check that the first day when they're looking for a missing person we all know like golden hour you know you Uh, Okay, anyways, at this point, search parties have been formed in Rock Creek Park, as that was where she was suspected to be last, but there was no luck in the search, right? Correct. There was no luck. They had searched all around Rock Creek Park. Um, They were pretty sure that's where she went. Um, However, they weren't sure at this point because she didn't have her ID with her. Her ID and her phone were found at home. So some people were saying, did she get taken from the house? That's why losing the surveillance footage was so bad yeah um i also am so not proud to admit this um i am notorious for losing my license um (laughs) i definitely have gone on long walks without my license when i shouldn't have so i also like try and take into consideration that um maybe she just did the same thing where she's like i don't want anything in my hands especially like if you don't have any pockets and like it just gets awkward yeah Oh, so I don't know. Um, so there's no luck in the search in Rock Creek Park. And at this point, the lab- laptop is wiped and they're not sure that they're going to get it back because they don't get it back till a month later. Um, and now heat is starting to come down on her content. There were rumors flying around about the affair. And some people had mentioned that Chandra told them about it. Um, one of the people that she told was a male friend named Robert Kirkajan. I'm sorry if I say that wrong. Uh, Kirkajan was invited to the inauguration of George W. Bush by Levy. He, uh, he stated that she invited him at and the night of the ball. She needed to pick up the tickets at her boyfriend's house. She had Kirkajan parked outside a gas station in Adams Morgan, and she was gone for 10 minutes. Uh, Kirkajan tried asking questions, but Chandra like refused to answer them and tried to avoid all questions about that. He had suspected Levy was having an affair with a married man and someone possibly in power because of the tickets, um, but he didn't get those answers until April 27th. So that was uh, just the weekend before she went missing. Chandra had confided in Kirkajan about the affair and how Gary was going to step down next term and leave his wife for her, and they had a five-year plan. Uh, he also said that she was very naive and was kind of telling her that's not going to happen. And she got flustered. They ended up calling it a night and Chandra went home in a cab. Now it was later, it was discovered later in the timeline that everyone pretty well knew about the affair with Condit and Chandra. Um, Chandra started off quiet, but she started to grow to be in love and was telling close friends and Condit's associates had noticed her presence a lot and was noticed noticing the little things you notice. Oh, yeah. Um, 
Now, it wasn't just Chandra that Condit was having an affair with. Another woman named Anna Smith came forward. She was a flight attendant, stating that she had a fling with him, but didn't know he was married. Smith stated that she would meet in his Adams Morgan apartment, uh, which notably wasn't too far from Rock Creek Park or the Clingsden Mansion, which we mentioned earlier. So the park in Chandra's search history happens to be somewhere that this man she's potentially having an affair with used to meet his old fling. Correct. And it's near his apartment. Huh. Okay. So two weeks after her disappearance, there were minimal suspects. Kirkajan, who was cleared pretty quickly, and Sven Jones. Now, Sven Jones was another worker at the prison. They knew each other. Um, He was one of the last calls Chandra had made. However, he was in Canada at the time, so he was immediately uh, dismissed as a a suspect. So they didn't talk? She just, like, called him? Yeah. Okay, okay. Uh, The police only had one limited lead, and they didn't even consider Gary, Gary Condit, to be a suspect they were just the lead was that chandra and gary were having an affair that was it other than that there were no suspects they had no body no evidence no surveillance they had nothing the police believed one of three theories she ran away she committed suicide or she met with foul play which of course the parents did not believe in early july Mrs. Levy and Condit had an off-the-record meeting, and the only information we know is she continuously told Gary to just tell the truth, and she was a spitfire. He asked for a handshake. She said no. He asked for a hug, and she said not on your life. Like, she was not having any of it. Mrs. Levy was like, I do not trust you. She was not having any of his shit. (laughs) Yeah. That's something my mom would so do. Um, (laughs) Now, we are at the timeline of early July. And I kind of want to shift a little bit. Because there are, like, kind of two um, parallel timelines that we need to talk about. Because eventually they become perpendicular. So, bear with me on this. Now, we are at the timeline of early July. And we're going back to Rock Creek Park this point there were two attacks against women a man had followed the women for about a mile would jump on their back try and tackle them each time he branded a knife both women were able to get away using basic self-defense after the first incident which occurred on may 14th which by the way was a week after the attacker um was arrested for burglary uh so the first incident was May 14th, and then the second was July 1st. The second attack happened, and when police found the attacker, they arrested him, and his name is Ingmar uh, Guandique. So Guandique, he was an immigrant from El Salvador, and he did not have legal, legal paperwork to be in America, and Guandique had a reputation to say the least in fall of 2000 he fell in love with a young woman named iris portillo he fell in love and eventually moved in with iris and her mother in early spring he was kicked out of their house as he would kick down the door punch holes and get very violent with iris including choking her saying i can't have you no one else can it was at this point iris's mom kicked him out and he was staying with a previous landlord he grew close to it was around the time of the breakup that Guandique was hanging around Rock Creek Park and drinking a lot. And this was um, about the first time of the attack in May. Now, something I do want to point out here is Guandique was an abusive person. Um, he did just have his heart broken. And as he believed, Iris was the love of his life. Psychologically speaking, that could certainly be the factor needed to start attacking victims. Um, because... He didn't have that power and control over Iris, and it made him crave it somewhere else. So, it's this guy didn't have any control ever in his life. He was shipped via um, a coyote over the border, and basically, that's someone that you can pay to get your children over the border um, yeah. into America. And he was forced to live with family in DC, and he didn't go back to school. Uh, He didn't know any English, and he was barely able to find work. So there certainly could be a triggering factor as to why the attacks started. 
do we have any proof that maybe he knew Condit or had been in any like like cahoots with him? So as of right now, there is nothing. Okay. Um, I tried to find confirmation that there were no over. There was no large deposit in Guandique's bank account. There was no large sum taken from Condit's. I didn't see anything that indicated this. I feel like with how much research was done, there would have been something. Um, but there was nothing that tied them together at this point. Okay. And at this point, police aren't even, you know, Chandra's investigators aren't even thinking about the attacker. There's, okay. like I said, as of right now, these are just parallel timelines. You have Guandique who um, assaulted, he broke into someone's house on May 7th. Uh, he was arrested and then um, released the same day. Oh, May 14th, he attacked the first woman. And then July 1st, attacked the second. Jesus. That is all we know so far. Okay. So now timeline-wise, we're at early July still. No leads. Condit does look suspicious for the alleged affair, but no evidence. And sadly, still no body. Chandra's name was everywhere at this point. Her and Condit were plastered over every tabloid known to man. However, Condit kept denying the allegation publicly of having an affair, though he did tell police he did. Ooh. Police told the media to stop spreading rumors. Um, obviously, that did not work. Now, July 2nd, Chandra's aunt Linda couldn't take it anymore. She went public with all the information, including how Chandra had gushed to Linda about their relationships and how in love she was. She stated that he would buy her lavish gifts, including a gold bracelet. Now, I didn't mention this earlier, but um, it was mentioned, it was asked if Gary Condon bought her a gold bracelet, and he said no. And now Chandra's Aunt Linda is saying that he did. Um, oh. Linda stated that Chandra had mentioned how Gary had a five-year plan, was going to leave his wife, leave his seat so that they could be together forever. Um, did that sound familiar to anyone? Mm. Let me guess. He denied that again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shocked, I'm shocked. So we now have two different people who would have never known each other are both saying the same thing. But... The same exact thing, yeah. Yeah. Now on July 6th, prosecutors went to look at items found in Chandra's apartment again. They found a, fair, a pair of black panties that had semen on them. Prosecutors wanted to arrest for DNA, and that is when defense lawyers said it wasn't necessary, and Condit would talk openly. So Condit, during this meeting again admitted to the affair and said that he had spent a few nights in uh, she had spent a few nights in his apartment in Adams Morgan. However, the meeting got really heated. We don't know too many details because it was closed door and Condit and his lawyers stormed out. It was a few days later that Condit finally agreed to the DNA sample and to absolutely nobody's surprise, the DNA matched. I, I do, like, I, I see why this is relevant, of course, but I feel like a lot of the investigative work so far is just focused on whether or not they were having an affair. Like, why aren't we looking for her? Why is it more true investigative work being done? Exactly. And so many people were getting fed up with that. Um, a, a couple of the cops were saying, hey, I don't care if they had an affair or not. Like, okay, they had an affair. Who cares? It's sex. Get over it. Um, can we please find her? And other people were like, no, the, the affair is more important and blah, blah, blah. So um, truly nothing other than the affair with a married white congressman was the only thing that was making headlines. Um, and it doesn't help that the city was a media circus and everyone was putting in their two cents. I mean, psychics were calling... They had over 8,000 phone calls coming in from uh, self-claimed psychics saying that she was in the desert, she drowned, she was alive and in a cave, she died during a botched abortion, she's in a hospital in Colorado, she's in the middle of the road, she was in a ditch, she uh, went to Mexico, she went to Canada. Literally thousands and almost every single one was searched they would send people into um a lake there was one person who said she was in a lake in colorado so they sent out a team to find to find her body they were taking these claims seriously you know <laughs> it's something we haven't really talked about before i know um, the use of mediums i yeah. you know interestingly since we even started 
researching this episode, I've run into an, a more frustrating situation with it as well. But um, I just don't like the overlap of the true crime and psychic community. Like, I think that there can be a time and place where it is appropriate. Mm-hmm. But like the newer cases or cases where the families have specifically asked people to stay the fuck out of it. Yeah. Um, I think unless the family specifically asks for help, like, stay out. Um, we can talk about some famous mediums. like uh, <laughs> Sylvia Brown. Sylvia Brown. <clears throat> oh, God. Like, in the Ariel Castro case, for those of you yeah. who may not be familiar, she went on a talk show. Um, Sylvia Montel Brown. Is Williams. A, is, she, is she considered a medium? Yep, she's considered a psychic medium. Yeah. Um, she, they were doing an episode with her and Amanda Berry, who, if that name does not sound familiar to you, she was one of the people held um, held captive by Ariel Castro. Yeah. And the medium said, oh, honey, she's dead. To her mother. To her mother in front of an entire audience. Just like that, too. I remember watching this show live because I oh. loved Montel. Just in case anyone listening doesn't know, she was not dead. <laughs> no. Nope, that was alive. She is alive to this day. I remember, and like I remember there being headlines of like famous psychic medium says missing girl dead. Like I remember that so clearly. Um, and she wasn't. God, it's so bad. I got I actually did a TikTok, not to plug myself in. I did a TikTok about her because it was infuriating how many things she got wrong and she wasn't helpful. And it's cases like this. And I mean we're seeing it now in um, for anyone that follows TikTok, Mama Tot's son. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That was heartbreaking to see. I follow, uh, we'll plug some friends, but I follow a creator. Her at is Holly Weird Paranormal. I love her. Mm-hmm. But she just posted a video the other day where she like stitched another creator who was filming at the Watts home. Yeah. And was like, oh my god, Shanann's spirit, this and that. Like, her family has asked people to fucking stop. Yeah. And when Hollyweird Par- Paranormal called her out and was like, this is so disrespectful to the victim's family. This is not what you need to be doing. The girl commented on her video and said, go follow my YouTube for the full video. Yep. I, there are so many. We saw it in Gabby Petito's case. There mm-hmm. were thousands and thousands of self-proclaimed psychic mediums that were i can taste dirt in my mouth yeah she went missing in a national park okay um it was bad enough that we had to deal with dog the bounty hunter (laughs) what a timeline we lived in for that for that case and that poor woman but this is also like i don't think it's okay to use your abilities in cases in which you're not called to by the surviving person i don't feel very comfortable talking about um how well i know the spiritual realm (laughs) but i am very confident and very comfortable in saying that i do believe and not everyone need a tarot reading (laughs) (laughs) not everyone believes in it and that's fine but also if you're doing it without getting the family you could be highly insulting to the friends and family of the victim i do believe chandra's family was jewish if i do recall um that could be highly insulting to them. And and that could not be the intention, but that's what's going on. And look at what happened. It, it tied up so many valuable resources, sending people on a goose chase across the entire country. Um, there is a time and a place for psychic mediums, but I think the media and armchair detectives really let this case go wild between the affair and theories and conspiracies and all of that. And I that did not do any justice to this case at all. Right. Um, now, back on topic. <laughs> um, now, mid-July, police get a search warrant for Condit's home. So we're now mid-July of 2001, two months after she's gone missing. Okay. The same day, he went out for a drive with a driver. Um, he was in the passenger seat. He stopped in the middle, uh, just outside of town. He stopped at a McDonald's and threw something in a trash can. A bystander saw Condit, and of course his face is plastered everywhere, so not hard to miss. Um, he saw, a bystander saw this and snooped through the trash to find out what he threw away. And it ended up being an empty watch box. It was destroyed cardboard, um, and there was nothing else really in it. The bystander 
kind of threw it away and then decided to call police and say, hey, he just threw something out in a McDonald's in the middle of nowhere. Um, the police found it, but Condit said it was just an old watch box he just needed to get rid of. He just needed to get rid of out of town at a random McDonald's? Yep. Okay, not sketchy, not sketchy. No, no, not at all. Now, this is where the two parallel timelines I was talking about are going to collide. Mid-July is around the time Guandique is questioned about the two attacks in the park. They asked if he did anything to Chandra. As Guandique stated, he didn't attack the other two women. He just tripped over them, and it was miscommunication because he doesn't speak English. Guandique stated he saw Chandra in the park earlier that month and thought she was pretty, or earlier in May, um, thought she was pretty but didn't do anything to her. Okay. Then on July 24th, D.C. police asked the park police if they had any info on a man who exposed himself to a female. The police officer uh, offered that information and stated that um, there is another person of interest that they might want to look at, and his name was Guandique. Now, there, the man who exposed himself to a female was a completely isolated incident, but now police were looking at crimes in the park. Okay. Um, the police didn't seem to believe that Guandique and Chandra were going to be related at all. I mean, I could see how the cases could be related, though. If Chandra was last seen on May 1st, which is around the time that Guandique got kicked out of Iris's, and that the attacks on the women would take place in the park. Like, both of them were wearing the cassette headphones. Like, I don't know. Theoretically, Chandra could fit that profile. Absolutely could. And that is completely correct. Um, I also want to mention, D.C. police tried to reach out to the woman who told the police that a man exposed her. Um, and according to the woman, she never received any request for information because she wanted to follow up on that. So I'm not sure how I feel about police saying that they reached out to her and that they didn't or could they have called the wrong number could there have been an issue <laughs> there's definitely like a power balance we have to think about there you know right the criminal justice system there's a lot of power and control we all know that money rolls everything like <sighs> with the corruption and the cops being paid off and you know, we we yep. both we both have seen cases where there's an intrinsic link between specifically politicians and corrupt police. Absolutely. And of course, did the police um did the police kind of want to find a full person and that's why they were looking for the man that exposed himself? Were they so many, I am not a conspiracy theory person, but there are so many ways that when it comes to money, power, control, corruption, all of that, that there can be something in play. It's also interesting to me that like it took them, gosh, how long, like a week to even go back and get underwear that had male DNA in it Mm -hmm. from her apartment that they already searched. But they went and got a watch box from Condent right away. You know what I mean? Like, it seems right. like the investigation is being driven by him. It absolutely does. Now, this case only gained media traction as the affair was confirmed now. Ding, ding, ding. Yep. There was another suspect and leaks were getting hot and heavy. That is until, I'm sure when I said the year, many of you thought it, 9 11. Uh-huh. So 9-11 happens, and of course, this is in the D.C. area. This is when the case dies down drastically. Almost all agents and officers were reassigned and needed to focus on the terror attack. So after a couple weeks of the terror attack, there was a small task force that was again for Chandra. And um, a couple of the officers that went back to the case um, went became more interested in the park offenders. And this is when Guandique became a very big person of interest. So mid-September, police is kind of like, there could be something here. He was attacking women around that time. Chandra kind of fit the profile. Both of the other women were athletic. I believe both were blonde. Both were athletic, listening to music. Um, You know, kind of on the younger side. So... Definitely could have fit the profile. Um, 
Then, early 2001, and I feel like this is such a big part of the case. Early October of 2001, an informant from inside the jail went to police. He stated that he befriended Guandique and that Guandique told him he took drugs and alcohol to steal himself for the attack. He went to the location Condit gave him and saw Chandra running on a path. Guandique hid in the bushes. When Chandra circled back, he jumped out and attacked her, stabbing her in the neck and the stomach. She fell to the ground and Guandique carried her body far into the woods. He dug a hole with his hands and covered Chandra with dirt, leaves, and sticks. He left the knife in her body and later considered retrieving it out, but never did. He sent the $25,000 to his family in El Salvador. Uh, I have questions. Okay, could could Condit have told Chandra to meet him in the park and instead had her meet with Guandique like, um, like a murder for hire? I one certainly could be. There's honestly at this point, I feel like there's no ruling out anything. Um, you know, we know that she was looking for that area. We know that she, you know, so if she was meeting someone, was she meeting Condit and he instead sent her killer? You know, uh, I'll give you $25,000. And of course, this is where race and misfortune and systemic racism in the criminal justice system come in. Did Gary exploit Guandique? Right. Did he say, I'll give you $25,000 because that to someone who has nothing but the clothes on their back is a lot of money. Um, If you do this for me. Mm. This is someone who doesn't speak a lot of English, doesn't have a support system, doesn't have an education, doesn't really have much going for him. Kind of the perfect guy. Um, Or did they send someone else murder for hire? There's so many ways to look at this. Um, Checking in, like, what do you think so far? (sighs) Hmm. I definitely, my biggest issue right now, as per usual (laughs) at this point in our cases, is that police aren't doing their freaking job, it seems like. I mean, also, like, uh, not including 9-11. Right. That's, That's, you know, understandable. That is super tragic for her family. I can't imagine how helpless they felt. But... Mm It just really seems like they're more focused on Condit than they are on the victim or the missing individual at this point. Like, they have no idea where she is, what happened, nothing. And instead, everyone's like, oh, my God, but she was sleeping with a married politician. Who cares? Yeah, right. It's sex. Who cares? Get over it. Congratulations. I mean, is it does it make him slimy? Yes. But like, in my opinion, it shouldn't have been the main focus. Um. As far as Guandique goes, like, I can see where those cases potentially overlap. Mm-hmm. And there may be some interesting coincidences, but I also don't really believe in too many coincidences in true crime. Exactly. That's, <laughs> yeah. That to me is a big thing is coincidence over kind of evidence. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I think we'll get to that a little bit later on. Um, So a month later, so this would be November, um, the informant took a lie detector test and asked um, the person that gave the lie detector asked him if Guandique told him he killed Chandra and did Guandique receive $25,000 from Condit to kill Chandra. The informant answered yes both times and this was seen as deceptive. So then we're going to fast forward to February 2002 and Guandique took a polygraph and he was asked whether he knew about her disappearance and whether he caused her disappearance. He answered no and this showed up as inconclusive bordering telling the truth. However, this was not admitted in court as factual because uh, Guandique was not a native English speaker and translation and delay of questions can cause issues in lie detectors because you can't focus in real time. (sighs) Okay, hold on. So I understand what that's getting at. And also if he had 
maybe a translator, it would give him time to, like, control his physical response to the questions, which is what they're monitoring. But I think (laughs) polygraphs are bullshit. Um, Most of the time, I mean, this was in 2000, well, 2002, specifically this polygraph, but they're not even admissible in court. Nope. Now, hardly ever, just because it's kind of bullshit. Like, for those of you who may not know how a polygraph works, it essentially, you know, you put all these electrodes on yourself, they ask you questions, and then as you answer and as you're being asked, your body is being recorded. So they record, like, your heart rate, your blood pressure, things like your respiration rate, things like that. So if you are someone who struggles with anxiety right now, you're probably thinking, holy shit, I better never take a polygraph because I'm going to fail. Yeah. Um, same. I, if someone looks at me the wrong way, my heart starts racing. Like, exactly. And never mind being in a foreign country. Yeah. Being accused of something and you don't even know what's going on because there was a lack of interpreters at this point because 2001, 2002, yes, it was 20 years ago. But there were not as many as interpreters. There was, throughout this case, they were having, they had a hard time finding interpreters for court, um, mm-hmm. for interrogations. So, There's that- also, like, just, you know, it's this is a social issue and it's a whole other topic I'm sure we'll get into at some point in depth in another episode. But minorities, specifically men tend to be very nervous when it comes to law enforcement interaction because of their prior experiences. Absolutely. And because of the societal norms that surround police and minorities. So uh, if you put a specifically male who's a minority in a room with a cop, there's a good chance they're going to be anxious. Oh, 100%. Especially when it doesn't even know what's going on. Yeah, exactly. So, and and I'm just going to say it to you, polygraph tests are bullshit yeah you'll say it i'll say it i don't trust polygraph tests i they can so easily be fooled they can be misled you have the people that are too good at lying that can fool them you have anxious people that are going to fail them they're bullshit i don't condit took one i don't care guandite guandige took one don't care informant took one don't care i I thought about not including the polygraph test in in this because I they're they're not usable. They don't prove anything. But I think it's an, I think it's an interesting point. You know, mm-hmm. it's always interesting to just know what happened in the polygraph as long as you know to kind of take it with a grain of salt. Absolutely. So now, two days after the polygraph test, Guandique is on trial for the two attacks. And prosecution brings up Chandra, in which the defense and the judge both stated that it wouldn't be consistent for Guandique to be involved and that they didn't think there was any connection. The victims state on record and publicly that they disagreed. I would also like to mention a quote from Guandique that was mentioned during this trial because I feel like it tells a lot about him. And it's, quote, when I'm about to commit an offense, I tell myself to go ahead and do it. But afterwards, I feel bad about it. End quote. Guandique said that through a translator in the report and then he also said quote I feel good when I see someone alone and carrying something of value on their person because it makes them easy for me to for it to take then it crosses my mind that after doing it so many times I will eventually get caught sometimes I cannot control myself when I see someone alone in a secluded area with something of value end quote interesting so to me, yes, we know that he can be violent. He was violent with his ex-girlfriend. We know that he did attack those two women, though they were not um, sexually assaulted, though they both believe that that's what the attack would have led to if they didn't get away. Um, and he he had a little bit of kleptomania. Um, I was going to say, it seems like he's more motivated by stealing. Right. So... This, the judge even said that they did not think that this had anything to do with Chandra and that he was someone who would more or less steal from people rather than, rather than kill someone. Right. Let's fast forward three months. Mid-May, this is now a year after Chandra has been reported missing. 
a hiker comes across a red sports bra and sees some weird looking rocks and he believes to be turtle shells. So he went to take a closer look look and realized it was human remains. He oh. called police and investigators and found that uh, there were clothes next to the bones, including a gray shirt, black leggings, both were turned inside out. Police were also upset because they were near feet away from her body during the first search. They were upset. That's their job. <laughs> upset with them. Yeah. They, when I looked back, um, when they first started looking for her body, um, they weren't even looking in the right area. They were, they were about like 50 yards away from where they were supposed to be. There is miscommunication between the um, chief of police and where he wanted them to search. And there was that whole conundrum. So this hiker finds his body. Mm-hmm. Police were, like I said, upset that they were so close that they didn't see it at first. Okay. A dental exam would confirm later that this body was in fact Chandra. And of course the parents were devastated. The police had also found a tibia bone about 25 yards from her body, and they discovered um, that was found by a private investigator from the Levy's. That was even found by the police. The tibia was found by a private investigator. Okay. That same private investigator found small bones from the hand, fingers, back, and heel about 170 feet away from the body, and police also missed those bones. Um the chief of police was not very happy. Uh, hold on. So a single private investigator managed to find all that and a whole team of police found nearly nothing? Yep. Actually, they did find nothing because the hiker is the one who found the other one. Correct. Okay. Yep. So the investigators also immediately noticed that this area looked pretty similar to the other two areas in which the women were attacked. So it was geographically similar and did that make them believe that he committed the crime? Yep. So when they found the body, she was kind of at the bottom of a little hill near the creek. And the other two women were um, jogging along a path that when Guandique had attacked them, they had rolled down the creek. One actually did roll down, like, to the creek, and then the other one was able to fight him off before he took them down. But it was, the other two women were at the top of a path where it was kind of like, you know, almost like a valley. Um, okay. So a geographic profiler saw this and thought, that geographical profiler had said that it was extremely similar and seemed to be very possible that Guandique was her attacker because she also there was also a cassette tape that was found by her body and um, Guandique was, you know, trying to take the cassettes of the other two women. But he also didn't take any of the cassettes from the other two women. He didn't steal from either of the, the other two women. He stole when he committed that burglary on... May 14th of 2001, he stole a gold wedding band. Yeah. Um, While agents believed that after finding the body, it could be Guandique, there was still zero evidence tying him to the crime. Now, Guandique did receive... um, This is where I was confused because I think a lot of articles updated. um, All the articles said that Guandique received 60 years of prison for the two attacks. Okay. That doesn't make sense to me, but if the articles were edited, it could, because in 2009, he was charged for the murder of Chandra, based on the informant. So, there was no evidence, just a pattern of the other female victims that he had attacked and a common theme. So, he was charged for 60 years for the charge of Chandra, and so I think when I was doing all the research, it people went back and edited what his original sentence was to the new updated sentence. Um, But either way, he was charged with Chandra's murder and then he got 60 years in prison. Then in 2015, the case was granted a retrial as new evidence had come forward that the original prosecutors did not disclose all of their information to the defense. The information in question, the informant. 
The defense did not know that the informant was going to receive witness protection for another case if they came forward with more information. The informant's name was then released as Armando Morales. And after a retrial was granted, the prosecution asked for the case to be dismissed because they knew they had absolutely nothing on Guandique. I also would like to back up and point out the informant, um, Armando. He was a gang leader and a drug dealer, which um, not one who's going to be known for snitching. I have always found that odd because if he was a white collar criminal, okay, me, I could, I could see snitching. Um, but when it comes to like drugs and gangs, being a snitch, being a rat, being a mole will get you killed. But we know that his testimony was going to get him to safety. So did he snitch on someone else? And that's why he wanted safety. So he was doing what he could because he knew that he'd get hurt. I don't know. But there was also a recorded interaction with an actress where Morales claimed he was lying about the testimony. There was recorded evidence where was having a conversation and said that he lied about the whole thing and that content had actually paid him to frame Guantique. Um, So that came out as well, but that was a secret recording and I don't want to say I believe it. I don't want to say I don't believe it. I'm just, that's the information that's out there. Now, prosecuting attorneys were also, uh, were actually held before a responsibility committee, which is basically like an ethics committee, as it was found that they were withholding information from Guandique's lawyers about the credibility of Morales. So defense lawyers for Guandique did not know that he was getting something in exchange for his testimony. Okay. Which is a huge no-no because then that opens the door to credibility is he just saying this it could have made a huge difference i'm going to be open and candid i'm going to tell you everything i know but then went on to say that he never had an affair with chandra he had nothing to do with chandra's disappearance he knows nothing about it yada fucking yada you know gary had been in the in public for a while he did retire from politics he's still married to his wife um oh yep yep good for her not my cup of tea but go off sis um (laughs) chandra's killer to this day has not been found and her family still doesn't have closure and that breaks my heart have they ever come forward and said like, oh yeah, we think it was this person? Or oh, they've heavily hinted they know that it, Gary did it. Um, oh. I'm in the camp of Gary knows whether he did it or not. I, eh. but he knows. He knows either if he was the one that did it. He knows if he hired someone to do it. He knows if it was his wife. Because one thing that has not been brought up. Was, by the way, his wife was in town the entire time. Interesting. So did he have an alibi? Um, she was supposedly at meetings with the first lady, um, Laura Bush. Um, That's a very convenient alibi. I was with Laura Bush. That's real. <laughs> okay. So one thing that makes it hard as the psychologist. Now, if I was called to this crime scene, one thing that would be so important to me is how did she die? Yeah. What? Oh, wait. We didn't actually say, did we? Because medical examiners, um, they don't know. The only thing they know is that it was homicide, and that her hyoid bone was damaged. And um, if my mom That's- was alive, she would be so excited. I would be talking about the hyoid because that was her favorite bone in the body because it is the only bone that does not connect to any other bone, and, and of course that is um, around your neck. I was just going to ask. Okay, yeah, yeah. So, so, honestly, I was typing this, and I feel like I could just hear my mom, like, giving me all sorts of random information about the hyoid bone, um, because that's who my mother was. But, so, you can um, damage the hyoid bone, strangling, um, you know, neck injuries. (laughs) You technically could also, if she hit a rock just right, could hurt it. Um, but we don't know what neck markings there were. Was she strangled with a hand or a rope? 
because that would make a huge difference in this case, a massive difference. If there was rope marks around her neck, I would almost 100% say this was murder for hire. But we don't know. Just to clarify, we don't know because she was like in an advanced stage of decomposition. Correct. Okay. Yeah, it was a year after. Yeah. It was a year after. So they had her bones. They did not find any stab wounds, no bullet holes, um, no no excessive trauma to the bones. They believe that bones had shifted and animals might have moved them. Mm. But... And it's not like you can do a tox report. Right. So did someone come from behind her and chloroform her? Yeah. But we don't know because the body wasn't found until a year later. Or uh. even if this, the the other guy, the one that attacked the other girls in the park, I already forgot how to pronounce his name. If he, his MO was stabbing people, we wouldn't know either without, uh, this is really horrific to say, but without flesh. Yep. Unless he happened to Nick Bone, we, we wouldn't know. Right. However, one thing I do want to say is he only branded the knife to the other woman. He didn't use it. Oh, that's right. Okay, okay. So, and of course, this, let's just put ourselves in for one second. Let's just say, you know, we know he attacked the other two women. Chandra's attack would have technically been first. Oh, that's right. Because... Later in July. Right. May 7th was the break-in. May 14th was the first attack. July 1st was the second attack. Gotcha. So he would have killed someone and then gone off to then attack another woman. Which is not how that works. Which (laughs) it would be opposite. Now, if Chandra was at the end of that, I would be more inclined to lean towards that way because then he would have had frustration built up he wanted to commit a crime and he couldn't he wanted to commit a crime and he couldn't he couldn't get away with it that's when the frustration builds and you're able to but the other two women were able to get away with simple self-defense moves and you said she was very athletic so if she even tried self-defense she would have gotten away Hmm. now did they roll down the hill and she hit her head somewhere and therefore, she couldn't get away, and he did whatever he wanted. We can't tell if she was sexually assaulted. She didn't have any trauma to her skull? Uh, we- they, they didn't find any, no. Okay, okay. So I guess that kind of answers that question. So it's not like he, oh, God forbid, it's not like someone uh, right. hit a rock over the head or anything crazy. Right. Okay. Um, so without knowing so much about, the body's already in such a, decomposition state it's so hard you know did someone come up from behind her grab her neck put chloroform over her nose and then drag her out to the woods assault her and kill her and just leave her did she get kidnapped from her apartment building and when they when someone found her you know found someone that they could pin it on place it in a place that would fall in line with guandique's motive right because again she didn't go with her id did she potentially, there have been a few theories that she was actually out jogging with Condit's wife. Oh, that would be kind of weird. Um, there was zero proof of that. That is why I did not put that in evidence. There was no proof of them walking in the park together. She was supposedly at lunch with the first lady. So I don't think that that's the case. Hmm. Yeah. Um, so many different things. Um, I also do want to say that Guandique did not go to work on May 1st, and his landlord friend that he was staying with did notice that he looked like he had been beaten up. But then when she was asked when that happened, he said, um, the first time she said it was around May 1st, and then after that it was late April, early May. So okay, she can't remember the exact day. Yeah. But I can't help but feel like the person that did this would have killed before. Right. Normally, normally for someone that doesn't have criminal skills, they're going to get found. Unless it was just the perfect storm of bad police investigation. You know, of course, the officers were like, how did we not see the body? We were like basically right there. What if the body wasn't there? Oh, that's true. What if it got placed there afterwards? Right. I've, I've had this thought, uh, and I know I just said it. What if, what if truly 
the body was somewhere else. And then once whoever was, you know, paid off, if there, if this was a big grand conspiracy crime, did they, you know, they say, hey, cops are saying this person did it. He's known to attack here. Leave the body there. And then did. Uh-uh. So, I mean, was there corruption? There's just... Was there a police officer that was purposely fucking up the case? And one thing we also haven't really touched on is what about the guy that exposed himself in the park? They never ID'd the guy. The lady was never able to ID the guy. Could it have been him? I mean, yeah, unfortunately, because we don't know, it could have been. (laughs) And I mean, I get where people come from where Guandique would make sense. And I get that. He did attack two other women. But the fact that he would have killed Chandra before the other two is kind of unlikely, especially since he's already had the high of killing someone. He had a knife. If he wanted to incapacitate his victims, he could have. So, hmm. and I mean, the informant and Guandique basically admitted to the other two women. And he's like, oh, I didn't really attack them. I just, like, tripped over them. And then once he started using, like, the same verbiage he was, he had, he's saying, like, a canary. Yeah. I feel like he would have admitted something else. I don't know. What do you think? Gosh, I don't really know. To me, it sort of just seems like Guandique is maybe wrong place, wrong time. (laughs) Like, obviously, he's doing the wrong thing, too. He is not innocent by any means. Right, right. And then, yeah, I get what they're saying with like, oh, it's the same geographical, you know, right. location. But also, what's that? What is the uh, geographical location like there as a whole? Is is that common to find there? You know what I mean? Right. I don't know. There's don't just know. a lot of money and power and corruption. And uh-huh. when I see bad police investigating, coupled with a powerful, rich politician i'm i'm likely to incline to think of a conspiracy theory at that point um you know after a while after things had kind of died down a lot of people were like yeah we kind of know it's guandique and they just kind of like let it go but i think that there's just more to the story i do agree that there is similarities to the attacks but i not enough for me to feel comfortable to make like a definitive statement um And of course, you have to profile Gary Condon. At the end of the day, I see both sides. And of course, the first side is being Gwendike is the offender because he absolutely fits the profile of someone who would attack. I mean, he did attack the two joggers. He did have that break in. And, you know, the two joggers were very similar to Chandra and their geographical location, very similar. Now, because we don't know how Chandra died, makes it a little bit more difficult to really put in the cohesiveness of the of the attacks but we do know serial offenders are triggered by some a point uh, by some event in their life and the breakup would absolutely make sense because he really loved quote unquote loved iris um and then afterwards he was at the park he was drinking he was at a low point and then he was attacking women who looked similar to his ex young athletic petite um Two of the women had blonde hair and Chandra was dark hair, but I don't think that that makes a huge difference in this case. Um, and, you know, on top of the drinking, and we all know that alcohol can affect your, you know, rational and your sense of thinking. Um, and of course, as I just said, the geographical profile makes sense as well. So I'm not doubting that. And there absolutely would think that there's a correlation. Uh, And we can't forget his violent behavior. He was possessive. He was controlling. He did grab the neck of Iris. He was doing things. So it makes sense that A, he became an attacker. I 100% believe that. There's no doubt, nor should there be any doubt in anyone's mind that he attacked the two women and that he broke into that other woman's apartment and stole. But there are a couple things that make me question per se about him killing Chandra. And I think the very first thing that really sticks out in my mind that wouldn't make sense is the timeline. And that is because Chandra would have been his first victim as of May 1st, meaning he would have attacked and killed her, then uh, disposed of the body or, you know, he just kind of left it, put a couple sticks on top and then called it a day. 
But yet he broke into a woman's house two weeks later, stole a gold band. He ran into the tenant and the tenant like screamed and called 911 and he just ran past her and called and, you know, dipped out. And then the police caught him two hours later. Then a week later, he attacks a woman in Rock Creek Park and she gets away with self-defense. Then six weeks later, he attacks another woman who got away using self-defense. So you mean to tell me that his first kill was near flawless where the police couldn't even find her body. And he, you know, he executed the kill so well, but then all of the other attacks that he did were messy. He got caught every time he got scared away by self-defense. That wouldn't make sense. If Chandra happened after that, I would be more inclined to believe that he did it because then he would have had that frustration built up. You could argue that he had that fresh, fresh frustration of the breakup from Iris. And so he, once he released all of that, he could think more clearly. But again, then it wouldn't make sense because he's already tasted the kill. A lot of times if you have someone who wants to commit murder and they've tasted the first kill, they're, they're going to commit again. To have two women get away with self-defense is really throwing me off the tracks of Guandique. Because psychologically, it wouldn't make sense. He would have already had the high release from killing Chandra. And he didn't. He, so I understand why he's a suspect. And some parts of it do make sense psychologically, 100%. The trigger, the way he attacked, the consistencies between the two joggers in the park and some consistencies in Chandra. However, it's just really rare for these types of crimes to be all over the place, to go from a potential sexual assault and murder to a robbery, because that's a big de-escalation, and then to attack a woman in the park and get away with self-defense. So it's just not consistent enough for me to make sense. And I kind of want to flip the script as well. We have the fact that Condon's affair was becoming well-known. Chandra was telling people the five-year plan. She told Kirkajan, she had told her aunt, she was starting to become more open with the affair and how she loved him and what, you know, he was going to leave his seat and he was going to leave his wife and they were going to be together forever. Um, and I do think that, again, timing is important because she went missing May 1st and she was supposed to be home by May 11th, her graduation. I don't know the exact date she was planning on going home, um, but she needed to be home for her graduation on May 11th. So that means she would have gone home to where Gary's constituents are. And so if she's talking about the affair, friends and family are going to know about it. And his friends and family are going to hear about it. Kind of not something you want when you are trying to keep an affair on the down low. So, you know, we analyzed Kirkajan's trigger and what made him tick and why he would have attacked those women. But what about Gary? Now, Gary is a politician with money and power. And of course, there are some traits of narcissism. And I'm not diagnosing him. Not my place. Super unethical to diagnose him. But I think it's fair to say that he does exhibit traits of narcissism that you can see in his interviews. Um, money and power and traits of narcissism are part of the equation for corruption and for power and money. So we know that the police investigation had some issues and we know that cases where police officers are paid off. We know that that happens. And I'm not saying that to disrespect police officers. I do believe some are great people and they work hard and they investigate hard and they really want to bring justice, but there are some bad ones out there. And you know, I talk about Gary fitting the profile of having narcissistic traits. It's important to understand that the true narcissism traits, and we're going to have an episode on that later, but, you know, for narcissistic traits, having a grandiose sense of self-importance, they talk up a big game about what they've done in their life. Saw that in the Dr. Phil interview. He is preoccupied with fantasies of unlimited success, power, brilliance, beauty, or ideal love. Again, he was talking about running for president. He was talking about how important he was to California. He, you know, was talking about how all of his constituents loved him. And he was this great politician. Believes that he or she is special and unique and can only be understood by people um, of high status. So this one, I don't necessarily, I didn't see in any interview. So I don't feel comfortable saying that he exhibited this trait. Um, but then the next requirement would be require self 
would be excessive admiration. You mean like having young interns dote over you and being admired by all your constituents? And then a sense of entitlement. And this is basically that they can do whatever they want and nothing nothing applies to them. They can be uh, interpersonally exploitive. So they'll take achievements of others and credit it as themselves. Again, this is something I did not see. So I didn't see it in any inter- interviews. Doesn't mean it exists. Doesn't mean it doesn't exist. I just kind of want to disqualify that from this conversation right now because I didn't personally see it in any public interviews. And then lacks empathy. Um, this woman is missing. And yes, he donated, I think, $10,000 to a reward fund. Um, but other than that, you think with someone with high empathy would go to the news and say, yep, we had an affair. Can you please just focus on the fucking investigation? Just find her. I don't care. Um, you know, he tried to give Chandra's mom a hug. He asked. He asked permission, which consent is key, and we know that. But it was very stoic. From what Chandra's mom was saying, it was just a very stoic meeting. Um, he was envious of others. I, again, I didn't see this one, so I'm going to discount that. And shows arrogant, haughty behaviors and attitudes. So according to the DSM, those are all the traits of narcissism. He shows quite a few of them. So when you take narcissistic traits, someone with money and power, and a young intern who's blabbing about the affair... That is not a good equation. Gary was very worried about his image, especially because there were rumors that he was being groomed to become a president one day or groomed for a presidential nomination. So you just have the Bill and Monica scandal. You have this man with power and money who is looking um, to become a president one day, but he's having an affair. And before she goes home to where his constituents are from, she goes missing. So I definitely see where Guandique is definitely suspicious. Profiles are very similar. I 100% understand that. But I also understand the role that power and money can have in cases like this. In many cases, there, there are cases where people with power and money are able to hire someone to do their dirty work for them, to put it nicely. As a professional, I would need more details that I'm not privy to in order to give more information. But at the end of the day, both sides make psychological sense. You have the man that broke up with his, you know, the girlfriend broke up with him because he was violent, and he was violent, attacked the other two women, he broke into that house, but that timeline just doesn't make sense. And then you have the other side of power and control and money and people that can get away with things and corruption with a victim who was talking about an affair that would put the senator uh, excuse me the congressman in bad light so definitely kind of both sides to think about there when you're thinking about the psychology of an offender you both have triggers they both have patterns they both could make sense i just think that the timeline makes sense more for Condit than it does for Guadique. And we know that women are most likely going to die to a partner. Yep. So that was the tragic case of Chandra Levy, where corruption, a media frenzy, and a high-profile affair A set of parents lost their daughters and will never be able to see her again. The most we could ever wish for is for them to get justice. May Chandra rest in peace and one day her killer comes to light. Thank you all so much for listening to this podcast. For more information, you can click the description down below and you can uh, check out the articles that I found for the sources. Um, And please feel free to leave us a review um, or contact us with any questions. Stay safe out there.